um, about at camp about uh, what is a true Christian, what's God's plan for me personally, and what is the church really about. Things like that, um, as young people, can actually be big questions that we can be unsure about, we can have misunderstandings about. And it's good to have just the clarity of mind about some of these basic and foundational things just to help us um, really get started with our walk in the Lord and to actually know what the bigger picture is about to give us some of that direction. So I'll just get my, my, not my Nortons, my notes. I was looking at Norton when I was thinking of notes, but I'm always thinking of Norton. (laughs) Um, So God's plan. One of the greatest disadvantages, I'm going to start on a negative, but I'm going to bring it up. One of the greatest disadvantages of being a young person can be sometimes that, even though we think we might, we don't know everything. Um, and there's lots of things we haven't learnt yet, there's lots of things that we're still to learn um, and figure out, and we can have lots of questions. But the greatest advantage, I think, for us specifically is our position of where we are in fellowship in church to actually get some of those answers to the questions that we have. And from this point up until the rest of our lives actually um, follow down that um, train of line of thought and actually build upon those things. And you see a lot of young people, and I'm sure we all have friends in in school. Not me, I'm not in school anymore. Um, Not that I had friends in school, but I might have. Um, They really struggle with, with very basic things, some things that we might not even take for granted that things that we don't know we actually have answers to because there have been things that have um, been provided for us or been a part of our life since we've been young. And it's just things like that which we can actually um, impart or actually share with other people. And I guess the, the, the crux or the point of what I want to get across today is what really can we contribute as young people within the church And the first question that I want to answer, Jamie actually touched on it yesterday, and he said, what is the church really about? And what what is it truly about? And and being young, being brought up in the Lord, you come along to a lot of Sunday meetings and maybe midweek meetings, and you see the gifts, you hear the choruses, and um, that's the very, I guess, the presentation side of things. That's something that's always evident and that everyone sees, but it's not necessarily all that church is about. And I know growing up and you think, what's my role, you know, is it, is it choruses, is it this, is it that, and you're just you're trying to figure out what church is and where you fit in. And I just want to go through and actually just, just provide some understanding and insight into what, what church is about because the fact that God's given you the Spirit means that God's actually got a plan and a role for you. And the more you come along and the more you look and the more that you're willing, God will actually show and reveal things to you. But dying to self in sometimes, dying to our understanding of what our plan is and how we think we fit in or what the church is about and having that misunderstanding, sometimes that can lead us astray. So understanding what the church is about just helps and gives clarity into, well, where do we fit in? You know, what's my role as a, a young person looking to serve the Lord with my friends? So I just want to quickly state, I've got a few scriptures and I don't want to read them all out because I'm 20% into my time already. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. It's the Lord talking to his people who are stuck in captivity. They're prisoners, um, maybe the Babylonians. And he just said to them, he said, I know the thoughts that I have towards you, um, thoughts to give you a hope and a future. And ever since the beginning of time, since Adam and Eve, um, since they fell away from God, it's always been God's plan or intent 
to give his people a plan and a hope and a future and he's always been trying to restore them back to him right up until today. And I just want to go through what that plan is for us and what it looks like. So the first scripture I just want to talk about and question I want to answer is, well, what is, what is the church really about? So 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 to 3, Paul defines it very clearly. I was having a laugh this morning because some of the, not all the thoughts, but some of the thoughts that are coming out in camp are like, guys said something last night, we don't have to have the elements, but they're, nece- but they're good and they're necessary and they represent something. And it seems like a few thoughts are coming out about the church that we don't need these things, but everything that we have in the church is necessary, but it's understanding why we do it and the, the point behind it. So 1 Corinthians 13 from verse 1, just understanding you know, why do we use the gifts, why do we have, have the meetings the way they are, what is it really about? And Paul just goes on here to say to the church... more. He said, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, if you're a complete know-it-all, and you have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burnt, but have not love, it profits me nothing. He's not bagging out the gifts because Paul's actually the, the man he actually encouraged the church to use the gifts and to step out um, and use them. But their purpose in the church is actually from a position of love. And I guess God's plan for each and every one of us might present differently. We're all different members of the body. But the one thing that's common to all of us is that we need to have the love that God talks about. And that has to be our motivation for fellowship and things like that. And just bringing it back to the theme of dying to selfie, the church isn't about being a life support for salvation necessarily, but the church is actually designed to be a family that we could be a part of and that we can take and we give and we interchange and we build each other up. And that's what the purpose and meaning of what love really is, is to give unconditionally. And I'm going to go through some more scriptures later and look at that. But it's not just about filling a seat or doing something, or the presentation. It's, it's why we do what we do. And that's what God would have us to understand, and that's something that we can all have in our walk, is that love to actually impart on people. And that's, I guess, we start from there, and we go through. Next scripture. I just want to look at John. John 15, verse 13. A few scriptures here that I'll just quote. Um, just very common ones, things I've heard before, but the greatest commandment that Jesus gave um, was actually to love, to love the Lord, to love the brethren. But an important thing to love as well, which um, the Bible goes on to describe, is to have a love of the truth. And necessarily what that means is actually to love doing what God says or to love to do the right thing more than our own thing. And there are things that we hear in, in testimony and in scripture and in the Bible which can be hard and um, difficult to digest and swallow but to have a love of the truth is to take on sometimes some of that criticism to hear things which we know are hard and be say yes that's that's what I need to work on that's what the Lord's trying to say to me so John 15 verse 13 greater love has no man than this that he lay down his life for his friends everything we do at a church meeting is is imperative and important and necessary 
um, for, for edifying people and encouraging. But there's a lot of stuff that happens in the background um, which really keeps, keeps people together and it's something that we all um, can pay, play a part in. I'll just I'll go, I'll go to the next question. Um, Steve asked it yesterday, and this one I, I found for me was a very confronting thing because he asked a question, and then it was a trick question because he asked it again but with a different word, and he asked, "Am I a true Christian?" So we'll just turn to Matthew twenty-five verse thirty-four. And anyone who does any form of studying or likes to know the outcomes to things, this is a cheat sheet crush essentially, and it's talking about the difference between what a true Christian looks like and a false, a false Christian looks like, and it takes us into the glimpse into the future and the day that when Jesus returns, he's actually going to separate the sheep from the goats, and he talks about qualities that these people have and why um, he separated them and what he did. So Matthew 25 from 34. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and gave, and you gave me food. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. It paints a very different picture of what the church is and what love really looks like. Um... For the people who, I guess, made it, making it into heaven and then that next stage, it wasn't always the people who were up the front and it's not wasn't those people. But what Jesus is defining here and trying to get across is that the, the most important thing that we can actually do and that we can all do, being young, being old, male, female, gender, race, everything, that God made a plan that we could all be a part of and that we could all actually play a part and a role in. And it's not always what we think it is. And what Jesus is trying to get across here is it's actually about loving and serving your brothers and your sisters. I just want to make another point. That's point one. Uh, verse 37. The response from the people who had actually been doing these things and looking to help um, their brothers and their sisters and finding the needs in the church, this was their response. And they said, The righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I will say to you, and as much as you did it to the, uh, one of the least of my brethren, you did it to me. These people that were looking out for their brothers and sisters and they were helping them, they didn't even realise they were doing it to a point. And I guess their focus in the church wasn't to make it to heaven or it wasn't salvation. It wasn't coming to church on a Sunday because it was the right thing to do or being a part of the fellowship because you feel like that's where you need to be. But their focus, and they were kind of just like, what, me? Are you sure it's me? Um, their focus was actually just doing the Lord's work and looking out for their friends. And that's, I guess, just the, the point for us or something to understand is coming into a position where um, you're starting to think about what, what's God's role for me or what can I do to help. Um, there's always people in fellowship that, that, that need help and that, that we can actually go and serve. And I just want to quickly define when it says that 
You know, you came and you fed my people and you looked after them. Which of God's people do we actually need to be looking after? And I'm just going to quickly quote Luke 6, verse 32. I'll turn to it, but I'll also quote it. Uh, Luke 6, 32. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners um, love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those uh, from whom you have to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is king to the unthankful and the evil. Therefore be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. There are so many nice people that we have, and we all have your friends and your buddies in the fellowship, and you might think, you know, Josh, he's a really nice guy, I'm going to go have a chat with him. You might think, Pastor Russell, he's a bit scary, I don't know if I want to talk with him or associate with him. He's, he's good, he's good, he's joking. Um, most of the time, yeah. Um, sometimes it's it's the people that need the most help, or the people who seem to be in the worst and more difficult situations that need the most looking after. And it takes it takes a village to raise a child, but to have everyone in this room, each looking after one person in the fellowship, and equally to be looking after each other can cover so much more ground. I just want to cover back in Matthew 25 when he talks about when I was in prison, you visited me. I don't know too many spiritual people that are in prison or have come and and then left kind of thing. Um, And I don't think that's what Jesus is really talking about specifically. But I think what he's trying to allude to is that there are people in fellowship and out of fellowship who are in prison or are stuck with their walk in the Lord and they're trapped and they, and they need that help. And what Jesus was trying to, what he said to these people who were righteous and he actually said, you've actually done what I've called you to do. These were the people that went and he visited the people who were stuck and the people that were struggling in their walk, the people that might have fallen away for fellowship who are equally still you know, our brothers and sisters that need someone to bring them back. And... Just a quick question, show of hands. Who doesn't have any friends? Gibbo, put your hand... Oh, actually, I'm Pastor Russ, you can keep your hand. No. We all have friends that we can talk to. And without being too clever or too too personal, who's going to talk to your friends who are struggling if you don't, or if you don't put the time in to, to, to send them a hello, to call them up, to check on them? And sometimes we can catch ourselves waiting for someone else to fill a role. And I know we talked about Moses who, um, when the Lord called him to do something, he, he doubted himself and he said, no, um, I can't do this, but, you know, Aaron, that guy, Aaron, my brother, he's, he's pretty good. Go get him. And the Lord's always got a plan B. But when he comes to us for plan A, that's always going to be the best outcome for everyone, for us and for the person that the Lord wants us to speak to. And I think that's something that we can all 
we can all do and all be looking out for, and that's actually what the church is about, and that's what God has called us to do, whether we're young, old, have hair, no hair, um, all of those things. It's it's the bread and the butter of um, being a true Christian. I didn't write it on here because I told someone how many scriptures I had, and I said I have too many scriptures, and I do. But I just want to quote, um, back in 1 Corinthians 13, which is a chapter of love. I won't turn to it, I keep flipping everywhere. It was just Paul, he's going on, he's saying how necessary it is for us to have love in our walk and besides the spiritual gifts and then the meetings and things and um, everything which is necessary, when Jesus returns and we go on to this next, the next stage or plan that God has for us, a lot of these things that we have at meetings will pass away because we'll enter into a new era of um, spiritualness, which is described in the Bible. I won't go into Revelations today. Um, but he said the three things that will continue on and that have always existed, he said, he said faith, he said hope, and he said love. And he said the greatest of these three is love. And it's just so integral for us to have that in the forefront of our minds when we're looking to serve the Lord, to serve the people, to understand what our role is and what we can do. And I didn't write it down, or I've got a few notes that I've missed, but just if we find ourselves asking that question, you know, what what can I get out of church? It's the wrong question because it's church is about what can you do for church? What can you give? What can you come and be a part of and contribute? Because we've been called to love, not to be loved, but that is something that we get from being a part of God's fellowship. And what you'll find is when you move into a position where you're serving people and you're looking after people, you've moved out of serving yourself, you've got out of selfie mode and it creates a vacancy that God can come in and he starts looking after you. And it's, it's a hard thing, it's that step of faith, it's that putting yourself out of um, where you are entrusting and what the Lord has asked you to do. That can be sometimes being young, there's a few icebreakers or a few first times with spiritual things and you have to trust the Lord and take that first step and then he'll come in behind you and support you with everything. And that's what his promise is for us. 1 Corinthians 12. Um, if you want to read, you can turn there. You're probably, I don't know if you had enough of looking at me already, but 1 Corinthians 12, if you want to have a read. Paul's just talking about um, the church being a body. And he said it's sometimes, he didn't say sometimes, he said all the time. It's the, the, um, the undesirable or not good-looking parts of the body. And if we were going to be a body here today, I think we could agree that Mason would be the head. He's just, he's good looking, he's got it all. But for the most part, there are parts of the body which, which are undesirable and sometimes, just to use the analogy, you, you turn away from them and you don't look at them. But Paul goes on to say, you know, these are the most honourable parts or they're the most necessary. Because that's what the church is about, is actually looking after the people who need the most help. And that's what he was getting at. All right, just checking, I haven't missed any jokes. <laughs> cool. All right, third question. Still on time, five minutes. There you go. Third question, um, and this just, just, just in summary, I guess, of what I've been talking about. So with the things in mind about what the church is about, what does it look like to be a true Christian? How do I then actually follow the Lord's plan for me? Being young, 
being perhaps a bit unlearned or unsure about what we can do and how we can posi position ourselves um, where am I meant to be? So I will get you to turn to 1 Kings. You all look way too relaxed. Turn to 1 Kings 3. And I want, I'm just going to bring up a point um, from Jamie's workshop. Not the one yesterday, though. The one he made last year, he... Um, if any of you remember Jamie's workshop from last year, he actually talked about the age of some of the people in the Bible and how God was still able to use them. 1 Kings 3 is Solomon being in a position where he's actually asked to be a king and leader of tens of hundreds of thousands of people and I struggle to look after myself and not have chocolate all the time and things like that, let alone look after him. <laughs> Amen. And looking after a multitude of people. But um, here's Solomon in a position where he actually does have to look after all these people. Pretty big burden, but I'll read this out first and then I'll, I'll get to the point. 1 Kings 3 and from verse 7. Solomon having a conversation or a prayer to the Lord and he says, he said, Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, indeed a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Now, Solomon was very wise. He was good at math. He was just making a point that, you know, this is, this is me. This is, I'm a little child. I'm unloaded. I'm unsure. And this is what I have to deal with. And we all have those moments of maybe we think the Lord would have us to go and do something and we're unsure, we have doubts, we have insecurities, things that we battle and we struggle with, and we might put ourselves down here, and then this is the problem. And this is what the solution was that um, God gave to King Solomon. Uh, just continuing on verse 9, he said, Therefore give to your servant, this is a reflection of the heart of Solomon, he said, Give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to judge this great people of yours? I think much like the sheep who Jesus separated and said, you've done all these things for me, and they said, really? When did we do this? Solomon wasn't looking to be a great king. He wasn't looking to be super spiritual. He wasn't looking to, I guess for us, like be um, super fanatic and crazy all the time um, in our walk, because that's not what we're called to do. He was looking... And his, his uh, question that he had for the Lord and the help that he wanted, he said, help me serve your people. He said, if this is the position I'm in, is this, if this is what you want me to do, then I need your help to do it. And as a result, the Lord not only gave him what he asked for, but blessed him with, with much more. Um, whether you're going to end up with lots of riches and wisdom, I can't make any promises there. But I do know that the Lord, is uh, his promises are yea and amen. And when you step out to serve someone, the Lord is right there with you in everything that you do. The point that I wanted to get to <clears throat> is that Solomon was only 20 years old, roughly, um, as an estimate. Some people go higher, some go lower, but 20 is your rough estimate of this is who he was when he was put into this position to lead all these people. He wasn't a grown man. He wasn't as old as Steve. He, he, had, um, he had his own failings, but... It was his attitude and his heart and his vision that he had to love and serve the people 
that enabled him to do what he could do and actually follow God's plan. I've got 10 seconds left, but if I just stop the t- stop my um, clock, I've got infinite time. So I've got one scripture anyway. 2 Timothy 1, verses 6 and 7. Just a final thought and a summary for us. Now, Timothy as well, he was around 30 when he was put into a pastoring-like role, looking after people at a particular church. And Paul writes in this letter as some encouragement and as a reminder of what he's actually capable of, even though sometimes he could doubt himself. And he just said in here, in verse 6, he said, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and of a sound mind. And that's us. For each and every person that the Lord's given the Spirit to, we have this same Spirit, this same power, the same love and the same sound mind. It doesn't mean musically inclined. It actually means disciplined or able to focus and do what the Lord's called us to do. And that's how the Lord sees us. That's God's plan for us, not our thoughts on ourselves. So the best way for us to die to selfie is actually to use that the love to use the love um, that God has given us and actually to go and serve his people and to put away some of our ambitions and things like that. And as Jamie alluded to it yesterday, he said you don't have to give up your life to go and serve the Lord. And scripture says that a man chooses his steps but the Lord directeth his path. And all that the Lord would have us to do is keep him as our priority and always looking out for our brothers and our sisters. And I'll just say amen there and hand back to Brother Ben.